What the heck should I feed my cat? Part three, the basics. Wizardry lesson number 12. Hello, you beautiful wizardlets. <laughs> this is Trinity, your host and the animal nutrition wizard. And I am here today to talk about my guilty pleasure, carbs. Um, it, it may be a bit controversial to call it that, but here's the thing. And this is going to tie right in with today's lesson is that we don't have a nutritional requirement for carbs, not in their processed man-made form anyhow. And the same is true for cats. If you look through AFCO's nutrient profiles, which are available online on their official website, www.aafco.org, you will notice two things. First, the majority of their nutrition standards are based on the minimum requirements, not the optimal requirements, which is a problem in and of itself that I will go into on a later episode in more detail. And second, they have no minimum requirement for either dogs or cats on the amount of carbohydrates needed. This is because carbohydrates are not a required nutrient for dog or cats. Now, this doesn't mean they can't benefit from a few fruits and veggies in their diet, and indeed they can and do, which is why my third rule of how to feed your cat a healthy diet is not feed a diet with zero carbohydrates, but in fact, my third rule, which is what we're talking about today, is to feed a diet very low in carbohydrate. Um, but it's important to note that not only is the amount of carbs you feed important to pay attention to, but also the types of carbs you feed and making sure that you're varying and balancing this diet, um, their diet in this way. Now, actually, this is true with all three macronutrients, fats, proteins, and carbohydrates all come in various forms. And the amounts are important to get right, but so are the types. I didn't go into as much detail on fats and proteins because generally speaking, most pet owners are feeding commercial diets and those who are not are generally feeding a ver variety anyway. But this part is especially important for those cat owners who are feeding their cat a store-bought food. And that is to feed your cat only a small amount of carbohydrates and to ensure that those carbohydrates are the right kinds. So how small is the right amount and what are the right type of carbs? I'll answer that now. The natural prey of cats contains around 55% protein, 45% fat, and very little carbohydrate at 1-2% on a dry matter basis. So cats' diets should consist of no more than 2% carbohydrate, and I'll say no more than 15% carbohydrate if eating a dry food. I give a wider range for those that are on dry food and commercial diets, with 15% being the absolute maximum a cat should have in their diet to try and avoid drastic health issues. But the closer to the lower end you, you get, the better. Now, if you're feeding your cat a dry kibble, this is a tall order, as it's incredibly rare that you will find a kibble that has less than 25% to 30% carbohydrates. Most kibbles have even higher amounts, in which case you'll either need to search far and wide to find a kibble that meets these requirements, which can be done, though it's not easy, and I am happy to help any who wish to reach out to me about this. But I'm going to be honest with you right now, you probably shouldn't. 
it would be well worth the time and effort to instead transition your cat to a more species-appropriate diet and move them onto canned or raw food. If you have listened to the first two parts of the How to Feed Your Cat series, you already have some good reasons why. The need for moisture being key, and the need for high-quality, animal-based proteins in adequate amounts. But I'm going to give you another reason today, and this is the biggest reason to avoid kibble for cats after water content, which is to bring down the carb content, i.e. sugar, in your cat's diet as well as the potential for harmful toxins. Long-term consumption of high amounts of sugar are really hard on our cat's bodies. They're even hard on our own bodies and we have a much higher tolerance for it. It causes inflammation, increases the likelihood of heart disease, causes weight gain leading to obesity and eventually diabetes mellitus thanks to the obesity, as consuming a lot of refined carbohydrates can lead to obesity and body fat also promotes inflammation, which can damage DNA and lead to cancer. There's no question that obesity is associated with an increased risk of cancer and that the overabundance of carbohydrates in the diet is one of the major causes, if not the main cause, of the obesity epidemic, both in our pets and with humans. Studies show that high-carb diets, like the kibbles we feed our pets, cause skeletal muscle inflammation and inflammation in general. Studies also show that restricting dietary carbohydrates can greatly reduce the likelihood of cardiovascular disease, where it's shown that carbohydrate, directly or indirectly, through the effect of insulin, controls the disposition of excess dietary nutrients. Dietary carbohydrate modulates lipolysis, lipoprotein assembly and processing, and affects the relation between dietary intake of saturated fat intake and circulating levels. What this means is high amounts of carbs in the diet negatively affects our metabolic pathways that result in unhealthy levels of saturated fats in the body, which negatively impacts heart health, among other things. We have recently learned that fat cells are actually signaling cells. For a long time, scientists believed they were merely storage units, um, but now we know that that's not the case. Fat cells, in fact, through the hormones that they produce, are a major regulator of inflammation in the body. Now, inflammation in and of itself is not a bad thing. It's a natural response to infection or injury, and indeed it's a big player in fighting off infections. But too much inflammation leads to a whole myriad of very bad health issues. And inflammation also makes it more likely that you'll damage the DNA of cells that survive, and this increases the chances that a cell might turn cancerous. It sounds counterintuitive at first, but we've come to understand that cancer actually grows out of areas of regeneration and repair, which is places where there's likely to be inflammation. Now, this isn't to say that, simplistically, sugar causes cancer. Sugar, or glucose more specifically, is the fuel that our bodies run on. Every single living cell in the body uses sugar. The problem is, too much sugar 
for too long. And this is a large imbalance in the diet. And imbalances are what ultimately leads us into trouble, regardless of the cause of the imbalance. So whether it be too much or too little fat, too much sugar or too little protein, which are all common imbalances in our pets that lead to a whole slew of health issues, including heart disease, diabetes, kidney disease, UTIs, yeast infections, uh, skin issues, eye issues, chronic pain, and premature arthritis, to name several. What it comes down to is that we need to ensure our pets, and especially our cats, which are obligate carnivores who are built to get their glucose from meat only, aren't getting too many carbohydrates in the diet and that the carbohydrates they do get are the right ones. So what are the right ones? That part's easy, uh, fruits and veggies. A small portion of your cat's diet can include fresh fruits and finely chopped or lightly steamed vegetables. Fruits and vegetables are a fantastic source of phytonutrients, nutraceuticals, antioxidants, and vitamins and minerals, as well as fiber. In fact, these are the best ways uh, to get the fiber needed in your cat's diet without introducing potential toxins or an unnecessary carb load. You should avoid feeding your cat potatoes, corn, soy, wheat, gluten, rice, oats, barley, rye, and other grains. Most of these have a high glycemic index and load, which I've already shown to be a big problem over the long term for our cat's health, but they also carry with them a higher potential to introduce carcinogens and other toxic sources into the diet. Wheat and corn are some of the biggest, though not the only, carriers of aflatoxins a deadly mold that is a huge problem in the pet industry today. Aflatoxins are the most carcinogenic, naturally occurring substance known to man, and they are a byproduct of mycotoxin, a mold found most commonly in corn, barley, wheat, beets, peanuts, cottonseed, sorghum, pearled millet, rice, soybean, and sunflower oil. A global survey conducted between 2004 and 2013 found mycotoxin contamination in over 76% of nearly 26,000 samples of grains and byproducts that were destined for animal foods. There are several more studies over the last few years showing scarily high numbers of pet foods testing positive for different mycotoxins. In many of these, the amounts were very small and much of it fell under the amount allowed by the FDA in food. However, doses of aflatoxins low enough to be measured in parts per million or even parts per billion can cause acute illness in susceptible animals. When consumed in very low doses for a long time, they can result in chronic health problems. And that includes food refusal and weight loss, organ damage, neurological disorders, and cancer. If they're consumed in high enough quantities, which has happened several times in the recent past, aflatoxins can result in acute toxicity and even death. 
They mainly target the liver, but they can also be found in the lungs, the kidneys, brain, and the heart. Multiple mycotoxin outbreaks in commercial pet foods have been reported for decades, but most outbreaks of pet mycotoxicosis remain unpublished and may involve the death of hundreds more animals. And unfortunately, aflatoxins are heat-stable, which means they are unaffected by the cooking process that commercial pets go through. This is one of the main reasons I recommend avoiding, out of all the carbs you will find in commercial pet foods, corn and wheat especially. But it's a good idea to also avoid the other cereal grains um, that I mentioned. I also recommended avoiding white potatoes, and this was for their high sugar content. All of these ingredients are not only completely unnecessary in your cat's diet, but the addition of these ingredients can cause any number of health problems as we've learned. So all in all, the third rule of feeding your cat a healthy diet is of course to feed them a diet very low in carbohydrates, which will greatly reduce the chances of heart disease, weight gain, obesity, diabetes, and cancer, and this entails feeding them the right carbohydrates when you do include them, such as fresh fruits and lightly steamed or chopped veggies, which is to help avoid the high glycemic load and potential toxins found in many of the carb sources in lower quality commercial pet foods, you also gain the benefits of the nutrients found in uh, natural fruits and veggies. As always, you can reach out to me for any citations or references. I am quite happy to provide them to any and all curious pet owners looking to become wizards themselves in this topic and educate themselves further. I highly encourage that. Keep in mind that I also provide free consultations and food analyses, and I do this on a donation-only basis, um, so consider donating. And I am uh, happy to answer any pet nutrition questions you may have for me. Thank you, as always, for listening, for taking the time to learn, and may your pets live long and prosper. And with the right food, they likely will, because, hey, nutrition is magic. Hey listener, I'd like to tell you a bit about the Animal Nutrition Wizard. She is an independent pet nutrition coach and the host of this podcast, Trinity Thresher. She currently has certifications from Nina Liu and Holly and Hugo, six years of experience in the field and does independent study and research. She provides coaching, consultations, guides, and more through donations only, whereas the average cost for a pet nutrition consultation ranges from $75 to $500. The ultimate goal is to create a nonprofit organization that provides these benefits on a larger scale and to create a certification program for the Animal Nutrition Wizard's seal of approval for members of the pet food industry to strive to achieve. This seal would let pet owners know that products using it are safe and healthy. Your support is the driving force that helps to maintain and grow this dream. Thank you.